the world's favorite tax collector who became a follower of Jesus. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through 28 days of Matthew. Get your Bible. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 18, and I have a little surprise for you this morning because um, we're going we're gonna to try something a little bit different, and uh, you might enjoy it uh, or you might hate it. I have no idea, but we'll see. But we're going to go to Matthew 18. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. All right, here we go. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. So, um, so this is uh, Jesus talking about what it's like to be in the kingdom. Now, if you were a king, uh, if you were an earthly king, let's say you're King John or, or King Richard uh, or King Darius, one of these amazing kings that you have total control in your kingdom, what do you want in your kingdom, right? You want people who are strong, who are powerful, uh, who are big, um, who bring with them resources and bring with them uh, power and influence and the ability to fight wars or or whatever. Um, because as a king, you want your king to be, you want your kingdom to be the strongest kingdom it can possibly be. And so, if I were a king, that's what I would want in my kingdom, right? I mean. I'm, I'm no different than any other king. I mean, I have no desire to be a king, but if I were a king, um, I would want the strongest, healthiest people to reflect, you know, what my kingdom is and the greatness of my kingdom. And the greatness of my kingdom would be, you know, the greatness of the people in the kingdom would be a reflection of my greatness, right? It would over, even overcompensate for some of my weaknesses. But that's not what Jesus says, right? When Jesus uh, is asked, what is the kingdom like? He says, well, it's like, and he brings over a little child and he sets the child on his lap and he says, this is what the kingdom is like. It's like a little kid. It must have completely shocked everybody that was listening to Jesus because the kingdom is a little child. And, and it, you know, today, little children are a little bit different, right? Um, today, little children are, um, you know, we can take videos of little children and put it on the internet. You know, I've seen a video of this, this little two or three-year-old dancing at a uh, wedding reception, and it's just the cutest thing watching this little kid dance. And I mean, little kids indeed are truly cute. But um, but back in Jesus' day, little children were definitely not. What, I mean, they were cute, but they didn't have a lot of significance. People didn't, uh, you know, strive to look like little children. I mean, today. The most popular people on the on the internet, or maybe in Hollywood, are the younger, right? I mean, it's it's older people, or yeah, that's older people. I mean, everybody wants to see young, fresh faces on Hollywood and YouTube and that sort of thing. Um, but this wasn't the way at Jesus' time, so this was very shocking. And Jesus says it's like a little child. The kingdom of God is like a little child. And if you think about it, a a, a kingdom made up of little children. How is the king going to get anything done? And the way that happens is because the king, in this case, is Jesus. And Jesus has all the power of creation in his fingertips, in his mind. 
I mean, the stronger the king and the more wealth that the king has, the more power that the king has, the more resources that the king has, the less it needs to be in the subjects of the kingdom. And because Jesus has infinite power and infinite resources, then his, his subjects in the kingdom do not need to have all those resources. As a matter of fact, the great thing is, is that we have a king who has all the resources, so we don't have to bring any resources into the kingdom. We can come into the kingdom like a little child. Um, and we should come into the kingdom like a little child. We should come into the kingdom without anything, anything of our own, and simply rely on the power and the presence uh, of the king to watch over us, to care for us, to be the perfect king for us. Um, and you, you ha he says you have to change and become like little children, right? This is what you have to do. You have to change. Um, therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of a child is the greatest in the kingdom. So even Jesus says, the, the less you bring in to the kingdom, uh, the greater you are in the kingdom. Because the kingdom isn't about you. The kingdom is about me. And because I'm so powerful and wonderful, uh, the, the weaker you are, the stronger it makes me look. Uh, so this is a good kingdom lesson for all of us. You know, we're in this kingdom. This kingdom will have no end. And this kingdom that starts now that we are in for the rest of eternity. And this kingdom is wonderful and fantastic. And the way that we can enjoy all the blessings of the kingdom is if we don't rely upon our own self and what we can do, but we rely upon the king and what the king can do. I mean, that truly is the blessing of the kingdom, to come in with nothing and to be in the kingdom with everything, all the rights and privileges of the king. Um, that's, that's basically what Jesus is saying here. So uh, he starts out with this, this little saying about the kingdom, but he goes on a little bit. Uh, let's go and see what he says next. Uh, let's see if I can do this. All right, here we go. Jesus says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it will be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. If your hand or foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into the fire of hell. So basically Jesus has this child on his lap and he's saying this is the way it needs to come. You need to come into the kingdom. You need to come into the kingdom, kind of throw away, throw away everything that you've had before and just simply come into the kingdom with, with innocence. Come uh, with into the kingdom without your power, without your wealth, without who you are. Come into the kingdom and let me fill you with who I am. Um, if, you've, if you've ever been around little children, right, um, particularly a two-year-old or a three-year-old and uh, this little child, I mean, who does the little child rely on, right? It's mommy and daddy. Uh, it's the people taking care of this little child. And they don't know, even, even a two-year-old or, or one-year-old or two-year-old, they don't know about the dangers of life. 
uh, they don't know about what could happen if they do bad things and really bad things, you know, could happen to these little children, but they're still innocent. At that age, as long as mommy and daddy are in the room, as long as they're holding on to mommy and daddy uh, and mommy and daddy are there with them, then it doesn't matter because they put their whole entire trust in mommy and daddy to take care of them, right? I mean, the greatest, if you've ever been a parent, right? Uh, the greatest thing that a little child can have, right? Is mommy holding on to mommy with one hand, holding on to daddy with one hand, walking down the street uh, and maybe even letting mommy and daddy swing them, right? I mean, that is like, that is like the biggest joy that a child could have. Um, you know, we always think, uh, you know, as parents that it's maybe this toy or that toy or whatever, but really a little kid like that, all they really want in life is just to be around mommy and daddy, to give mommy and daddy, um, it, let mommy and daddy give them their full attention, right? I mean, I take my granddaughter to the park and we go down the swing, right? And I'm not quite mommy and daddy, but I am grandpa, right? So, um, granddad. Uh, so, but when when they go down the swing, what is it they want? They want the full attention. Uh, granddad, you're not watching me. You need to watch me. <laughs> I've seen you go down the swing. Uh, I've seen you go down the slide 500 times. Watch me. Watch me go down the slide. Watch me come down the slide with me. Swing with me. I mean, they just crave attention from their Heavenly Father. Well, we're kind of the same way, right? And the great thing is, is that our Heavenly Father gives us all the attention that we could possibly want. Um, he loves us. He cares for us. He is with us. He's walking with us. Uh, and so whenever we want his attention, he is there. It's awesome. Um, but if you cause one of these to stumble, if you... Uh, so when you have a little child, right, they're innocent. They're completely innocent. And as they grow a little bit older and they see kind of the dangers of the world, then pretty soon... You know, at some point, that that bubble of innocence, you know, it's, it's probably several different bubbles of innocence, but they each keep breaking uh, until they become a full adult. And uh, at the time that they become a full adult, uh, it's okay that their innocence is kind of broken. But, but one of the things we always want to do as parents is to try to protect our children from those bubbles of innocence as long as possible. Because we know, right, that life is tough that there are dangers in the world, that it is difficult, that, you know, at some point, these children that we bring into the world are going to have to deal with things like uh, an education and how to fend for themselves and how to deal with difficult people and how to navigate an ever-changing world, you know, how to navigate coronavirus. And even some of them might get very, very sick. Some of them might die and some of them have to deal with that. And we want so much to protect them from all the dangers as long as we possibly can. Um, you know, I, I, uh, we, would, we would try so hard with our children to kind of, you know, right or wrong, you know, we would try to shelter them from all the, the horrible stuff we would see on media and stuff like that. We would, we would try to show them only happy things and, and you know, try to keep that bubble of innocence going as long, as long as possible. Because you only get that once in your life, right? It only happens when you're born until all those bubbles are broken. But what, what Jesus says is, you know, if, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble in the kingdom, it would be better if you had a millstone hung around your neck and you drowned into the depths of the sea. We should not try to, uh, if somebody is in the kingdom and they're loving Jesus 
and they're loving scripture and they're loving who they are in the kingdom. Uh, if we, if we, uh, you know, don't, if we don't help protect that in the kingdom, it'd be better if we had a millstone hung around our neck. And even for us, uh, such things must come. The woe to the person that may come. If your hand or foot causes you to stumble, cut it, you know, cut it off and throw it away. And Jesus goes on. He says, you know, if there's one part of you that's not working for you and, and stumbling you in the kingdom, it's better to be in the kingdom than to have those other parts. Uh, and that is so true. I mean, the kingdom is like, we already saw, the kingdom is like a, uh, it's like a, a pearl of great price that the person found in the field and he bought the field because he wanted it so much. The kingdom is everything, my friends. The kingdom is everything. I'm just putting my email over here so I can see it. All right. So um, that was Matthew 18, 6 through 9. And uh, we're going we're gonna to go on a little bit to Matthew chapter 18, 10 through 14. So let's, uh, let's read this together. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you that he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Uh, so uh, this is the basically the parable of the lost sheep. Uh, in other uh, scripture, in Luke, it's actually three parables. It's the parable of the lost sheep, it's the parable of the lost son, and it's the parable of the lost coin. And they all say the same thing. That basically the king, right, who doesn't necessarily um, need... It's not the amount of people that he has in the in kingdom or how powerful they are. He wants to go after the lost because when he goes after the lost, he demonstrates his power. He demonstrates his compassion. The king is always after the weak and the homeless and the ones that, that are, are innocent and uh, the ones that are lost. And Jesus so desperately wants to find the ones that are lost. And, and this is quite, you know, this is exactly what would happen if you were a farmer and you had a lost sheep, you would go and find it. Now, would you leave the other 99 to go find it? That's a risk, right? But not Jesus, because he is so powerful. He's willing to, to go and find the lost sheep. It's, it's the lost, it's the homeless, it's the marginalized, it's the ones that he's going after. Um, in the parable of the lost sheep, uh, it, it, it's very much similar to the parable of lost coin, where you, where you go and you leave everything. And of course, it's the same parable as the lost son, right? The son is lost and the father desperately wants the son to come back. The son finally does come back and they have this big homecoming. Um, Jesus definitely wants us uh, and he's willing to risk everything to come and find us. He is a wonderful, benevolent king who will, who will leave the other coins and come and find us. Um, that is so much joy in our world today, right? Because there are so many times where we get lost. There's so many times where the, the perils of the world overwhelm us and start to take us down a path that is not healthy for us. But Jesus is constantly coming and trying to, trying to bring us back. He's always wanting to find the lost sheep. And we definitely are lost sheep. Uh, he's not willing that any of us should perish. He wants all of us into his kingdom. 
So that's, that's a huge blessing. All right, we're going to go on. This is Matthew 18. This is the one I wanted to get into today. So Matthew 18, 15 to 20. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything, they ask for it, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Wow. Such great stuff here. All right, so <laughs> um, this is this is reconciliation 101, okay? Um, what is it that causes us to be irreconciled with somebody else? And you all know the answer. It's when somebody else does something to us and it stews in us and it makes us angry uh, and we wanna break off a relationship with that person. Um, how many times in your life has somebody done something to you and basically uh, over time you just broke off the relationship, you found somebody else, right? Um, I mean, that's the human condition. Um, I remember a pastor friend of mine telling me a story about these two spinster ladies in the congregation and they always sat in different places and um, they had the same name, but he thought maybe they're cousins or from an extended family or whatever like that. And uh, and after years, he was ministering to one of them and found out that actually these two ladies were sisters. Uh, and he was shocked because they never even talked to each other. And uh, how could they even possibly be sisters? Uh, because you'd think that sisters that would come into a church that they would at least talk to each other, right? You know, find out what's going on. That's what I mean. They didn't. They ignored each other. They sat in different places and ignored each other. And he said, what is it that has caused this dissension between you? And um, apparently when one of the sisters was like 18 or 19 or something like that, she borrowed the other sister's dress and wore it and got a stain on it or ruined it. Or maybe she didn't even. Maybe she just wore it without asking. I'm not sure. But that one event caused these two sisters to uh, basically not talk to each other for 30, 40, 50 years or something like that. But they still, they still went to the same church, uh, but, and apparently they hadn't like even talked to each other for a long, long time. And um, I mean, I, I just, I find this story hard to believe, and yet I don't find it hard to believe. Because when somebody wrongs you, um, it can be very, very difficult, and it can make you very, very angry, and it can break a relationship, right? What Jesus says then is this. If someone wrongs you, if, uh, if your brother or sister sins, right, goes, goes against you or does something against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. How many times when somebody wrongs us, uh, there's two choices that we can have. Well, actually, there's three choices. I mean, the, the first choice is uh, we could just ignore them, never talk to them again, right? Uh, 
we could we could cast them out of our life like these two sisters uh, and and basically break off the relationship. Well, Jesus is a God of relationship. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit live in heaven in relationship. I believe that's why we have a triune God is because we're created in that image. We crave relationship. Uh, look at any any you know scientist. They say humans are created for relationship. We are not creatures that can be isolated and alone. That destroys us. That kills us. I mean, I've even heard of anecdotal stories of of children that are born. You know, they, they, there's some studies that they did, and they showed if these children didn't have relationship, they actually got sick. Um, so we we crave real relationship. And what God is saying is that if you are a person and you crave relationship, then you should try whatever you can do in, in your life, as much as it depends upon you, to try to keep a relationship going. Because, uh, and, the, and the way that you do that, right? So you could ignore them or you could go to them and say to them, this is something that you did. And this is how it impacted me. And this is how it hurt me. Uh, these are the implications of what you did in my life. Uh, and I just want you to be aware of it. It hurt me deeply. And I'm still suffering. And I don't know how I'm going to move on from here. Uh, but I just wanted you to be aware of it. Because this is something that could become between our relationship. And I just want to make you aware of it. And 99 out of 100 times, right? When you go to somebody and you explain to them, what's going on, um, they will say, oh my goodness, I had no idea that this action or this thing I did uh, was such a big deal in your life and was causing you so much pain. I am so sorry. Will you please forgive me? And uh, like I said, 90 times out of, out of 100, if you simply confront somebody in a gentle way, speak the truth in love and tell them about what's going on and how this has impacted your life, uh, vast majority of the time, it helps mend the relationship. This, this is basically called communication 101, right? Uh, and we humans, for some reason, are not very good at communication 101. So many times we want to let that simmer and stew inside of us and uh, get to the point where it, it's, we can't handle it anymore. I mean, this is what happens when relationships go sour, right? All these things that have been simmering inside for a long time, they all come out, right? Things that may have happened 10, 20, 30 years ago, they all come out. I mean, of course, this is the, this is the, the narrative that drives Hollywood, right? Is that these things simmer and then all of a sudden there's an event and all of a sudden it all comes out and, and, and everybody now knows all the different things that happened and, you know, trying to, it either breaks the relationship or it causes reconciliation. Um, we're watching a story on, on Netflix. I don't know if I should recommend it or not. Uh, it's called The Outer Banks. And um, it's, uh, I think it's in North Carolina. And it's in a fishing community, or maybe it's on an island. And uh, it's, it's about, the, about the really, really, really wealthy people that live on that island in their wealthy homes. And then the people that kind of serve the wealthy people on the island, they're, they're very poor. They don't live in as good as conditions. And uh, so you've got these two groups of people. And when you have a Romeo and Juliet, these two groups of people. Uh, well, anyway, um, the, there's, uh, there's two girls. And in eighth grade, they got very, very angry at each other um, for something that happened. 
And then um, there's an opportunity in the show where those two can be reconciled. And um, I mean, th this is the stuff that happens in Hollywood. Uh, so the show, um, you know, the thing that, that we find, we have Netflix. And the thing that we find out of Netflix is that a lot of the shows just have so much overt sexuality. It's just almost too much to handle. Uh, this one has some suggestions, but there's nothing overt in it. And it's not even really big. Uh, it really is, it, I mean, with, with probably a, a little bit more editing, this could easily be a Disney show. I mean, it, because it's got drama, it's got, you know, all that sort of thing. But there's, there's a little bit of suggestivity in it. There's a little bit of um, bad language in it. Uh, but the storyline is really interesting. And um, eh, anyway, so we, uh, we watched Audra Banks, and it seemed to be really, really interesting for us. But uh, opportunity for reconciliation, I won't tell you what happened. But every movie in Hollywood is about reconciliation, right? So one thing that might actually be happening this way that you might hear the trains that they go by. I've got the train, the engine just went by, so that's what that loud noise was, if you were hearing the loud noise. So we live for reconciliation. So the two things you can do, right, is you, is you can say, I'm done with this person, I'm gonna break off the relationship entirely. Or you can go to that person, you can say, I'm sorry, this is what you did. Or, you know, there is a third option, and the third option is probably not the best option, but it may work for some people, and that's just basically to say, you know, this person hurt me, but in the big picture, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, they cut me off in traffic. <laughs> you know, in the big picture, that's not a big deal. You forgive them and you move on with your life. Um, and, uh, you know, you can still maintain a relationship with somebody even after you've forgiven them, even if they don't know the things that you've forgiven them for. Um, that's kind of a, uh, if you can actually do that where you can, you know, forgive and forget or forgive and, you know, where it doesn't eat at your insides. That's probably, because you can't go to everybody for everything all the time. Uh, so at some point you have to balance all those three things in your life. And we live for healthy relationships. We, um, we crave healthy relationships. When we, when we have healthy relationships, we ourselves are very, very healthy. That's, that's just the way it is. And if we don't have healthy relationships, we are not healthy people. Uh, and so we should crave to try to nurture and mature all of our relationships so that they're healthy. All right, so this is this is the number one thing in the Bible on reconciliation. And uh, if if you know if you know somebody that's having anger issues with somebody else and they come and tell you about it, uh, you say, listen, you have two choices: either break off that relationship, you know, or go and tell them. Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to go a step further, right? It, you don't go a step further until you've told this person to go and to communicate their feelings to another person. That's step one. And like I said, the vast majority of the time, if you go into step one, there is reconciliation and joy. The angels rejoice, right? Because uh, truly, uh, th this, this is such a wonderful thing to have reconciliation happen. The angels do rejoice. Uh, so, but if they don't, I mean, you can, you can go to the rest of these steps here. If they don't listen, you take other people and you work it out and all that sort of thing. And then, you know, you, you kick them out and, you know, you treat them as a pagan or a tax collector. That, that rarely happens. Although that there are some people who, um, who for whatever reason, their heart has been hardened in a relationship and there's nothing you can do to, to help. Uh, man, if you're, 
if you're in a relationship like with somebody whose heart is hard and they don't want to work on the relationship, that can be very, very difficult, extremely difficult. Um, the only thing that works there is prayer, 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 and trying, trying, trying. Um, you know, bring other people into the situation if you can, like we're saying here. But um, it's very difficult to be in a, in a relationship with somebody who doesn't want to be in a relationship, who doesn't want to reconcile. That is very difficult. All right. This is the, this is the best part of a Matthew 18 uh, because it is so powerful, us as humans. We're created in the image of God, and we are... Uh, we are. Uh, we then need to work on the way that God teaches us to work on relationship. All right, we're going to go on. Matthew uh, 18, verses 21 through 27. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Surely just seven times, right? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or some say 70 times seven but it's a large number. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle an account with his servants. He began the settlement. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay off the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told the master everything that had happened. When the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers and your sisters from your heart. So this is, I mean, this is why we should forgive, right? Because we have been forgiven. Each of us sin in many, many, many ways. Each of us cause relationships to crumble. Uh, each of us deserve nothing but punishment from the king. And yet the king still loves us and cares for us. He still forgives us. The greatest thing that the king does is forgive us of everything we've ever done. He looks past it. He, he thinks we're white as snow. He thinks we're the greatest child, the greatest member of his kingdom. And that's how he treats us. And we are horrible people. Uh, we are not deserving of that whatsoever. And yet the king treats us that way. And so Jesus says, because I have loved you, you should love each other. There's no sin that somebody could do that you could not forgive. Um, that I mean, we are only humans. There are some things that we simply can't forgive, and I understand that. There are people that have experienced things from other people that are horrible, and I just, I mean, I've never been placed in that situation where there's people I just couldn't forgive um, because there's some really, really, really evil people out there. Uh, but forgiveness is like... Um, if you don't forgive, 
And, and this is true. If you do not forgive somebody, it's like a, a burning coal that's in your belly. And that burning coal just sits there and simmers and simmers and simmers. And it, and it creates this anger and tension in your life. Um, and it can, at some point, overtake you and destroy you. So at some level, at some point, you've got you've to extinguish those coals of hatred and anger that are in you from another person. It's not an easy way to live in life. And sometimes uh, we have to extremely rely on the power of God so that that works, that, you know, that he helps us extinguish those coals. Um, we, are, we are forgiven, and so we should forgive others. As a matter of fact, that's in the Lord's Prayer, right? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I would say almost every relationship problem you have in life has to do with lack of forgiveness, lack of following the stuff in Matthew 18. First, not going to people and saying, you hurt me and this is how you hurt me, um, especially people you want to be in a relationship with. Uh, and then not forgiving people as we've been forgiven from God, right? So this, these teachings from Jesus about being in the kingdom are some of the most powerful teachings, I think, of all the teachings that he teaches. It's basically we come into the kingdom without anything, and we just trust in God like a, like a child trusts mom and dad, and then we forgive. And, and we forgive a lot because God has forgiven us a lot. And learning how to do that and calling upon the powers of heaven to help us forgive, that's really where it's all about. And um, I think the healthiest person you could possibly be in this life is to A, communicate to people that you love when they've hurt you, and two, have the ability to call upon the Holy Spirit to help you forgive in those times when you need to forgive. And understand that God has forgiven you everything. And so therefore, he gives you the strength and the power to forgive others. Because if we truly lived, um, if we truly live as we are in the kingdom, we should understand that we are no better than anybody else. We may think we're no we're, we may think we're better than anybody else, but we're not. The king forgives us and calls us to forgive others. It's a hard thing to do, but but he that's what he calls us to do. So I think we're gonna end it there. Uh, it is about eight. 40. Um, so would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, teach us to live in your kingdom as a little child. Help us just to hold on to your hand and be in awe and wonder about the world that unfolds around us. Particularly in this time of coronavirus, Lord, help us to just hold on to you and know that you've got it all under control. And Lord, help us in our forgiveness and help us in our relationships. Give us the strength of your Holy Spirit Help us to realize all the time that you forgive us of all of our weaknesses and that you've called us to forgive those in their weaknesses. Uh, help us to have healthy relationships. Give us your spirit to have healthy relationships. This we ask in Jesus' name.